We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome back to the Brooklyn Buzz presented by OTGBasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, my favorite Nets fan, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? The Nets sold the win last night, Nick. We were the we were the Wizards and Washington's were playing uh, uninspired basketball, but we, uh, we took it out of them. I loved it. Yeah, honestly, great game last night. Nets pick up another W. Before we talk Nets, just a reminder, you can listen to Brooklyn Buzz on OTGBasketball.com, iTunes, and Block Talk Radio. But, Jack, let's talk about that win last night. Coming over from Mexico City, we obviously had the quote-unquote two home games. Back home, though, in Brooklyn, playing the shorthanded Wizards without John Wall. But we don't care. We're without D'Angelo. We're out Jeremy Lin. We pick up the W. What are your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I think, Nick, it was just a, a, a – there were lots of runs by both teams, like us in the third a quarter. Lot. Yeah, and it was just like whoever had the momentum after the 48th minute happened to be us. Um you know, it was neck and neck throughout. Like, you know, we, we had a nice early ascendancy in the first quarter, but then Washington bounced back with uh, another eight points advantage after that quarter. But then in the third quarter, we uh, we did our thing. And then the last, it was sort of a, it was a bit of an ugly finish, but, um, you know, we got the win. And, you know, we're now 11 and 15 and, and you know, knocking on the door of the playoffs, which we mentioned in previous pods. And I know I wasn't uh, overly confident. I think I need to eat my own words. We're, we're certainly knocking on the door and, if we keep playing like this, there's, there's no reason why we can't. Yeah, I mean, it's becoming a real possibility. Some of those teams that are playing really well early in the year are starting to struggle, like Detroit, you know, even Philadelphia to an extent. Not saying it's going to happen for sure, but 2.5 games out, 11 and 15 at this point. Like we mentioned, we weren't getting these double-digit wins until March last season. So the Nets have really played well. Still on that game, we'll talk about their overall play in December in a little bit. Who was the player that stuck out to you last night or a few guys who you really liked the way they played? Yeah, it was the guards for me, Nick. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. There's just something about this duo that it, it, it's fascinating. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, another double-double, 12 assists. Um, the way he can control the floor and control the play is, 
is something just to marvel at. And Karis LeVert has almost got uh, a new patent and inside move where he, he drives, uses his speed, and then uses those gangly arms to get that little inside pass to whoever's there, whether it's Zella, whether it's Allen. Uh, the, the two guards, they're just providing some really great play. And even Karis um, from three um, hit a couple of nice little daggers there. So for me, Karis LeVert is a guy that keeps on improving and you know, we mentioned the fact that he could be an all-star one day. If he keeps playing like this, it'll be sooner rather than later. Yeah, and we also talked about his all-around game, and I think that's something that's always evident with him. Like we mentioned, the passing, the scoring, the rebounding a little bit. Defensively, at times, you know, Kenny uses him as that guy that he puts on the other team's best perimeter player. We saw him on Westbrook. We saw him on Beal. Both guys did not shoot well against the Nets, and I think a lot of that has to do with Levert. And the touch on Dinwiddie, like you said, I think this says a lot about a player when they're starting to actually become, you know, like a good player you can count on. Dinwiddie had a terrible game from the field. Shot one of 11 from three, four 14 from the field. Had a couple uncharacteristic turnovers, but still he put up 11 points, 12 assists, and helped his team win the game. And I think that says a lot. Even when he's not having a great impact with his three-point shooting, which has been great this season, he's still able to help the team in a lot of ways. Yeah, and you look at his box score plus minus, he's still plus 11 from the field. Um, our best player outside of Damari Carroll, who seems to always be leading that set. He seems to be a really uh, consolidating presence whenever he's on the floor. But Spence is certainly the same. And yeah, yeah. you made a really good mention of it. Like he, two offensive rebounds as well from a guard like Spencer Dimony. He's got that height. He's got that lankiness. And, you know, when we see guards getting the boards uh, a la Russell Westbrook when he's at his best, it allows them to get out in transition, which is what the Nets really thrive on getting really quick motion offense. So um, he's a great rebounder, and we've been doing really well on the boards lately, and, and our guards have certainly stepped up in that regard. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned Amari Carroll. It was nice to see him play well. He struggled in Mexico City. I think he had a comment about the high elevation, not really liking that, so that kind of impacted him. I'm surprised you didn't shout out your guy, Rondé. He had a nice game, 16 points, 12 rebounds, uh, 5 and 9 from the field. He just had you know some really nice energy. He also had a big-time offensive rebound late in that game too. So Rondé consistently is helping this team win games. Yeah, and all in 27 minutes of play, Nick. Um, you know, I, I had to show some love for, for the guards because I feel like I, I get too hyped about Rondé. I write <laughs> articles about him. I, I cut about him on the pod. I've got I to spread the love a little bit for for the Brooklyn Nets brigade. But, um, yeah, he was great. He, he consistently gets to the line and is one of our uh, real key guys there, six of eight from the free throw. You know, it really gets a nice little rhythm um, for us, especially offensively. You know, in a night like this where, you know, the percentages went high from the field from three and, and from two in general, you know, those buckets at the free throw line really make it really make a difference. Yeah, and like Rondé's the guy that it seems that gets us that bucket when we really need it. Like when they have those runs, it's almost like we can throw Rondé the ball in that mid post and he's going to put up a jump or he's going to get to the free throw line. Something really yeah. nice to have. Definitely, and I think there was this one play where um, he was out in the perimeter and, you know, he had this nice little pump fake which allowed him to get into the paint really well and, you know, he dished it off. But, you know, he's, he's got his all-round game, like a lot of our players that we've been talking about, like Karras. Um, you know, he's very, he's very dangerous from many areas. You know, that elbow shot that he's, uh, he sort of made his own is, is certainly something that, you know, we can count him on. Um, you know, feed him, you know, at the elbow, you know, you can almost count it. Yeah, honestly, it's it's almost crazy to think about. Like, I'm still amazed, even though he's been doing it for, you know, 20, 26 games or so. So it's definitely impressive. I think overall, the improvement from so many of these guys is very impressive to see in just one offseason. You see Spencer Dinwiddie, you see Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, you see Karis LeVert. 
you know, a lot of these guys, Joe Harris, you know, guys improved a lot from last season. But let's shout out the bigs real quick. Jared Allen put on another nice display last night. His impact was felt on both ends. And Tyler Zeller quietly is playing really well for the Nets right now. Yeah, it's almost um, before the game. Uh, Coach Kenny, I think Sean Marks might have mentioned as well, the fact that uh, Julio Okafor is probably going to have to earn his minutes and, you know, they can integrate him slowly. But with the way Zeller and, and Allen are playing, they're certainly going to force him to, to earn them because, you know, Allen especially, you know, he's playing now some clutch minutes, which is going to be really beneficial for his progress and his development. And he just, you know, that tandem with Karis Levert is just, you know, we saw those those alleys again. Um, there's something about that duo and the fact that they're so young, it's just, you know, I could watch that on replay all yeah. day, all night. Um and yeah, even Zeller and, and Dimity that we mentioned before. Zeller is just, he's the he's, consistency of him has been really surprising. Um, early in the year, you know, we didn't really know what to expect from him, whether he was just going to be a body. But, you know, he's forced Moscow out of the rotation. And Tyler Zeller now is putting up buckets. He's getting rebounds. And he had this real uh, nifty little uh, bounce pass as well that was absolutely yeah. awesome last night. It's just like Coach Kenny really has instilled a confidence you know, into everyone, but it looks like Zeller is really feeling confident as well. So, you know, for him to make a play like that for a guy of his of his size, um, it, it was something else. Yeah, a couple of these games, you've seen a couple of plays from Zeller that, you know, you didn't see earlier in the year. You mentioned the bounce pass. I think it was maybe a few games ago, he put the ball on the floor and then he threw down a nasty dunk. So I think, you know, it's definitely impressive to see this type of jump from guys like that. And I think since he's been in the starting lineup, you could kind of see the difference. Obviously, the difference between... Um, Timothy Moskov and Zeller is huge. Not only defensively, I think obviously Zeller moves a lot better and has a better idea what the Nets are asking of him, but as a pick and roller, you know, he's rolling to the rim and teams actually have to start to respect him where Moskov's out there and teams don't even care to defend him. Yeah, and he gets to the line. Um, and yeah. know, he's not horrible from there. Um, Moskov, maybe back in his Cleveland heyday, probably had those earlier moves uh, a little bit more mobility, but Tyler Zeller certainly isn't a lug out there. He uses um, his IQ, his basketball smarts, his sort of awareness to to a really high ability. And, you know, he's not doing it on 30 minutes a night. He's doing it, you know, 25 minutes. Um, you know, 23 minutes last night against the Wizards, 20 minutes with Jared Allen. I like that split. And, you know, you add in, um, you know, Quincy Asi, who's been getting minutes, who I th- think is probably going to be uh, transitioned out of the rotation, um, hopefully when we add in Okafor and Stauskas a little bit more. So there's certainly um, minutes are going to have to be earned by our boy Jalil, um, Mr. Oka Four, but um, I'm sure he'll be he'll be seen some time soon. Yeah, that's actually going to my next question. Thank you, Jack. Where do you think Oka Four's minutes are going to come from? You know, obviously, I think we all can agree AC probably has to see the uh, <laughs> see the core a little bit less. Maybe give Carroll some more of his minutes, but it's going to be tough until one of these bigs can shoot. They get through, uh, prove they can shoot the three ball. You know, so yeah, it. Where do you think it's, it's coming it's from? It's difficult. I know it's difficult, Nick, because when guys like Jared Allen and Tyler Zeller are playing so well and they're not playing on elevated minutes, you know, um, I'd, I'd be very surprised to see you going through some of the game logs if Coach Kenny played either of them more than 30 minutes more than once or twice this year. I know Jared Allen certainly has, but Tyler Zeller might have in, in certain situations. But um, I, I think, you know, Quincy Acey's minutes probably go to Carroll and Okafor. Um you know, it's worth taking a gamble. Um, you know, 17 minutes last night, five minutes to Mozgov. There's 22 minutes right there for Okafor. Um, you could probably limit. There's going to be injuries probably here and there. Um, Rondé's had his injuries this year. Um, and he generally plays either the four, and he can sometimes play some small five, even the three. 
Um, Tyler Zeller has had a, quite a nice run in terms of injury. Jared Allen will obviously be rested at stages. Um, he'll be certainly managed throughout the season. So I think that, you know, soon enough we will see Jalil playing minutes, but, you know, it's not going to be 25-30. I think he'll, he'll start at like a, a 15 to 18 range and then probably grow from there, dependent on his play. Yeah, I think uh, Kenny said it yesterday. Obviously, a lot of fans wanted to see, you know, Okafor and Stauskas play, but they didn't. They're going to have to earn those minutes. And, you know, early in the year, Okafor probably could have came in and kind of really got into that lineup real quick and got a lot of minutes. But with the way that Zeller and Allen are playing, He's going to have to earn those minutes, especially on the defensive end, because both those guys do a pretty good job. Obviously, Allen isn't looking like a potential elite shot blocker in the future, as he had in a nice, uh, I think it was on Markeith Morris, he just erased his shot. Yeah, it was disgusting. It, it whenever was disgusting. you can block somebody and your hand is on top of the ball, you know, you just own the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a play you'd see on ESPN Sports Center Top 10. It was just absolutely filthy. Um, and the fact that He's doing this in, what, his 15th, 20th game. Um, the fact that he's already got that confidence and already got that awareness for uh, a guy like Morris, who is no scrub uh, by any stretch. You know, he's not doing this against, you know, guys. He's not doing it against fellow rookies. He's doing it against a seasoned veteran. Yeah, um, last in OKC, it was Mello. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's two names to take off the board. And um, um, it, the way as well, he's not just blocking shots, but he's altering shots. Um, yes, and he's just, he's already probably our best room protector quite easily. And it's going to be exciting to see him playing 20 to 30 minutes. Um, I, I just like that Okafor has a, a real offensive presence. And hopefully, you know, there might be lineups where we see Okafor and Allen together. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see how they use that force facing on defense. Um, but I, I'm certainly, I'm like many, I'm excited to see Jalil. Um, but he's going to have to earn him as we keep on saying. Yeah, to get to touch on Jared Allen, you know, his impact is instantly fell on the floor on both ends. Right now, he currently leads the Nets in offensive rating at 123 and defensive rating is the lowest on the team at 106. So not only is, like you mentioned, the rim protecting the impact, you know, influencing shots, but offensively as a, a roller to the rim, the defense has to react so much more because they're not trying to give up that easy oop. So I think soon as, you know, things really start to progress, we're just going to see so many nice plays. I think... Uh, Quick, uh, quick shout-out to Kenny Atkinson, though. I think it was late in that fourth quarter. He drew a play up out of the timeout. Beautiful. Got Crab a wide-open three, and that ended up being, you know, the main factor that got the Nets to win. Yeah, and, you know, we saw the screen from from Allen, I think it was, as well. So just those simple plays and the execution, um, you know, despite the fact that Crab has been up and down in terms of his shooting this year, you know, he's still our shoot best shoot. player. Shoot, yeah, exactly. He's just one. He's those one of those guys where I'll back any day of the week if he's got an open shot. And, you know, you give him an inch of space, he's one of the best in the league at it. And you know, I've liked as well his ability as well. He had some nice passes last night. He had some nice plays on the inside. Some nice defense um, you know, too, and some nice defense. I think Coach Kenny and even Jalil Okafor said himself like he's excited to be part of this Brooklyn franchise. And we saw in his first presser that. You know, he's willing to do whatever it takes. And I think it was Coach Kenny, um, the rumor going around is that, you know, he was the one working out Stauskas and Okafor on the back of the Mexico trip. So that's our boy, Kenny. And I mean, people are already talking him up now after that Wizards win. You know, it was all over Twitter, you know, Coach of the Year candidate. I'm chucking him in there because, you know, the fact that he can, we can do this on the back, off the back of a road trip, technically. Um, and with guys, you know, being traded and, and with such a, a lack of depth in our roster in terms of, you know, health, uh, it's just something to be marbled at. 
Yeah, Jack, honestly, great point about Kenny. I think you and I mentioned him on the NBA outlet last weekend, you know, as like maybe a dark horse guy to grab a few votes, but I saw somebody else tweet that out last night as well. Coach of the year candidate, 11 and 15, arguably your two best players going down and definitely your most gifted offensive player in D'Angelo Russell. And you're still able to, you know, really play well and compete with these teams. Well, we're going to kind of talk about the Nets, you know, play over the last month in December, five games, three and two wins over Atlanta, OKC in Washington, losses to Atlanta and Miami. Offensive rating, 100.2, 28th since then. Defensive rating, 98.4, first in the league since uh, in the month of December. Assi- assist percentage, 68.4, third in the league. Rebound percentage, 51.2, eighth in the league. Turnover, still an issue. Turnover percentage, 17.3, 29th. True shooting percentage, still not shooting nice, 54.3, 23rd. Pace, a little bit lower than we were at for the month of December, 100.89 and giving us eighth. So in the month of December, the net stats definitely have some really nice pop. Still a few issues, but some nice things to see, right? Yeah, I think the one thing that sticks out there, Nick, is the assist percentage. You know, last night, I think that was one thing that was really evident. You know, 34 made shots, 24 of the, 26 of those, sorry, uh, were assisted. Um, when we moved the ball, that is when we were at our best. Um, the ball always moves faster than the man. So despite the fact that our pace uh, might be slightly lessened, but still a top 10 up there, you know, I think that's probably something to do with the fact that Spencer Dinwiddie's running it a little bit now and Delo's uh, not running the offense as much. But, you know, when we're passing the ball and, you know, the defense is something to be marveled at. You know, we held uh, a really capable team to around 40% last night and less than 20% from three. We're not doing it well. The energy's still on the other end of the floor. So uh, that's something, the defense, and for me, the passing uh, is something that really sticks out. Yeah, I think defensively, obviously the teams we played haven't been offensive juggernauts, but in the past, the Nets have been a bad defensive team, and they've made bad offensive teams look like elite offensive teams. So I think that says a lot about this team and the energy. And like you said, they've grinded out the wins. Obviously, the assist percentage has a lot to do with Dinwiddie and just the guys running the offense. You know, the motion offense getting a lot of open passes. Also, another impressive thing I would say is their rebounding percentage. Eighth in December, you know, at 51%, considering the bigs that we have and playing small a lot, being able to kind of rebound the ball is pretty impressive for a squad like this. Yeah, and I think it comes down to a lot of our wings. You know, Damar and Carroll last night had eight. Uh, Rondé had 12, um, three offensive. So those guys would generally step up. And it's always really nice. You look at the, the possessions that no one really has like um like say a Mello or a Russell Westbrook where they like they're hunting the rebounds and they they want it for their for their box score. No one really cares who gets the rebound as long as it it's us. As long as it's team rebounding. I think team rebounding is something that's really working well for us. Yes. And I'm guessing that's probably been a, a real key feature that uh, Coach Kenny's been outlining for, for the boys. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's another reason why the pace might be down a little bit is the guys are really team rebounding. So everyone's kind of securing that board before they go out for the break. So that's kind of slowing us down probably a touch. And also, I think uh, a positive of this, as much as it is a negative that we're turning the ball over so much, we're kind of killing ourselves. So if we start, you know, take care of the ball and playing better offensively and just, you know, making the right passes, not doing stupid things, not trying to overdo it a little bit at times. We can play even better than we are right now. So eventually, I think the offense clicks. You know, I think Joe Harris and Alan Crabb start hitting threes at the same time. You know, guys are getting to the rim. Karis LeVert and Dinwiddie are having good games together all the time. And then we're going to get back D'Angelo, you know, infuse a little bit Okafor, maybe some Stauskas. It could really be a nice offensive lineup if they can keep this defensive mentality in. 
it's just it's so impressive to see the Nets play at this level. As high as I was on them going into the year, I still didn't expect this with the injuries that we've seen. Yeah, I certainly didn't either, Nick. You know, with the talent that we've got, but you know, the guys that are that are on there and are, are all stepping up and are all showing energy. Um, you know, there's probably only been really one or two games this season that I've been disappointed as a Nets fan because we just haven't shown the energy that that I expect from from an NBA team. But you know and especially a team like ours, which, you know, certainly wasn't expected to push for a top eight seed and has certainly suffered its fair share of injuries. So if we can keep showing, you know, the hustle that we have and keep, um, you know, executing what Coach Kenny wants us to, whether it's on the defensive end, the offensive end, passing, rebounding, all those sort of um, nitty-gritty things, then I think we're, we're certainly going to be seeing a lot more wins this, this year than we were last. Yeah, for sure. And I can think, of, like, right off the top of my head, I think there's probably three games that I can think of where the Nets didn't really play with good energy. That Knicks game early in the season, the home loss to Denver, and the home loss to Atlanta. Other than that, most games are in it competing. Sometimes they just miss shots in the fourth quarter. So long as they're executing and playing hard, we can't complain. Especially because yeah. we are, like we said, we mentioned on this pod in the last pod, we weren't in the double-digit win territory until March of last season. So we're way ahead of schedule. Yeah, and that's and we're playing well on the road as well. You know, we're not necessarily, you know, uh, people are talking about crosstown rivals and Knicks as a possible playoff seed, but you know they're only doing it at home. They can't do anything on the road. Whereas, you know, the Nets are, are bringing energy and hustle no matter where they are, what arena they're at. So, I think if we can continue just to, to show consistency, I think that's um, that's one thing you can't really teach. Um, it, teaching consistency is is a really hard trait to to instill into the players. So. If we keep showing the same effort every night, um, you know, Luke Walton out in, out in LA is something, that's one thing that he always preaches with such a young squad is, is effort. Um, and we continue to show, as you mentioned, two or three games out of like a, a 26 game season. That's not too bad from a team like us um, who was expected to be a, a low lottery team. And we're right now put, knocking on the door of the playoffs. Um, I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, and I think what makes so much sense and it's going to help the Nets is you talked about kind of infusing that energy into the culture. You know, if the Nets win and they're playing hard all the time on both ends, even when the shots aren't falling, and that translates to winning games, it's really easier to sell that culture and get players to buy in. And I think a lot of it has to do, and you hinted at this a little bit earlier in the pod, Kenny Atkinson. Okafor and Stauska saying like, oh my God, like we, we worked with Kenny Atkinson. He's the first coach I ever had that practiced with us on the court. Like, I think people are really starting to be like, all right, wow, this guy Kenny in Brooklyn is for real. Players are starting to really be attracted to him. You know, in the past, we know every time they play Atlanta, some of those guys are always coming over talking to Kenny. Al Horford, when they play Boston, always has something to say. Paul Millsap, when they play Denver. So I think Atkinson's reputation around the league is really going to start to help the Nets in the future. Same thing with Sean Marks and the overall vibe of the Nets. I think uh, Nick Stousa said, when he talked to Karis LeVert after the trade, he said, what's... um." tell me like about the Nets he's like I, I don't I'm paraphrasing here a grade a organization all around on and off the court so I yeah. think that says a lot about the team moving forward and being able to attract good players because obviously at some point we're good we're going to want to sign free agents yeah and we have the market there like you know the you know the days before when we we got in KG Paul Pierce and um, there was rumors of Dwight Howard back in the day so it's not like we're not a free agent destination we just haven't been due to the fact that you know, the, the culture and the organization itself, as you hinted at there, has been a shambles. Um, yep. Coach Kenny and Sean Marks have been the ones that have been highly credited with changing that around. And I'm sure a lot of the support staff have been a big part of that as well. The entire Brooklyn team um, around them have, have just worked wonders. Um, 
And, you know, Coach Kenny, uh, not enough good things can be said about him. I think the way the NBA is hitting in terms of coaching, you know, player development and player-focused coaches are becoming the norm. And we have one, and we have probably one of the best ones. Um, He understands the player's needs. He understands how to get the best out of them. And I wouldn't want any other coach. And, you know, it's been hard to say that. Um, I probably wouldn't have been able to say that in my tenure as being a next, being a Nets fan because, you know, we look at Lionel Hollins uh, and guys like that where it's just like there is no system. The players didn't want to play for the coach. Whereas it seems like with what the Nets are doing these days, they're playing as, a, as an embodiment of Coach Kenny, which I've mentioned in previous pods. Yeah, honestly, I was just actually going to ask you, like, you know, what's probably your favorite head coach of the Nets? Obviously, it's easy to not like a guy after they're fired because I'm sure myself included, a lot of Nets fans loved Jason Kidd when he was the coach because of what he did with the franchise when he, as a player. But, I mean, Lawrence Frank, you know, he's not super exciting guy. He did a pretty good job. Byron Scott, obviously, Kidd got him fired. And then we had Avery Johnson. He got fired as well. You know, Lionel Hollins, I really didn't like him. He just felt so negative all the time. So PJ Carlissimo, he was okay, but he just he always seemed to get so mad, and he he wasn't big on yeah. Brooks shooting. And I think all all the coaches like there's just some things that you see now with Kenny and what he does with the system and allowing players to be the players they want to be, and it helps them so much more, and it allows them to feel confident. Where so when Lionel Hollins was coaching the Nets, I feel like the guys were scared to do certain things on the floor, and he was just always so pissed off. Yeah, if Lionel Hollins was coaching this team right now, Nick, I, I highly doubt we would have 11 wins. Um, we'd have four. Highly, yeah, we'd have we'd have barely that. Um, we, I doubt we would be seeing the same play from uh, a guy like Karis LeVert and Jared Allen, uh, especially another guy like Rondo Hollis Jefferson, who we know um, has had his issues in terms of his mentality. And with a guy like Lionel Hollins, who probably bangs the, uh, the life out of you in terms of you know the confidence um, the, this is what all of our guys have now. They have confidence. And it's instilled into them by they're not afraid to make mistakes. There's going to be nights where you'll have your, your four turnovers, your five turnovers, even like a six or a seven turnover game like D'Angelo's had this year. But he always backs it up with another good game. And that's what I think Coach Kenny has instilled. And we, we mentioned about Rondé early in the season how the fact that he found it really hard to, to move on from plays, let alone game to game. Whereas now we see Rondé you know, five of nine from the field, 16 points. He's, he's as efficient as ever. It's the most efficient version Rondé Hollis-Jefferson we've ever seen. The hyphen's doing things that, you know, we never expected him to do. And His a lot of it... is on another level. It's just another level. And I think that's all the way across the board. Um, I think one guy that's probably going to improve in that department as the season goes on is probably an Alan Crabb. He's still finding his footing, but he's still got that confidence in his own ability. Um, I think he's trying to find his confidence within the system. Uh, but outside of that, um, it, it's confidence all around. Yeah, and I think the players love that, and it's just it's nice to have. And it, even as a fan, obviously we like Kenny Atkinson, but I think it feels like all the players love him too. So yeah. it's always good when you seem like everyone's buying in and they respect the coach. Where you see other teams, where there's obviously talk in OKC of Westbrook and Melo not respecting Billy Donovan and not listening to his play calls. So obviously that's always an issue that you don't want to hear about, especially with your team, especially a young team. So it's nice to see this for the Nets, but that wraps it up for today. Jack, great show. And as always, thank everybody for listening. And you can listen to NBA Outlet on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, and otgbasketball.com. We go hard. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. 
The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.